welcome to another episode of Superhero Discussions. My name is Travis Hives, Travis underscore 156 on Twitter. And today we're going to talk about Spider-Man the Animated Series, Season 3. And here to join me is none other than Greg, the Bat Daddy 52. Greg, thanks for joining me yet again to dive into this Spider-Man goodness. Always a great time hanging out with uh, one of my favorite Canadians and uh, talking about one of my favorite comic book characters. Yeah, I've been hardcore binging this show the last few days, <laughs> and like I've pretty much rewatched season one to four a couple times, and I still think that I don't think that there's an animated series on Spider-Man that comes close to this. I think that it's yeah. fantastic, and it's still it's still good for the age group that it was made for back back in '96, and I well it started at '94, but this this season is in the '96, so. I just, I can't, I'm so excited to talk to you about it. I'm glad you made a bit of extra time for me this evening. I know you're you're pretty jam-packed with your schedule with all the madness going on right now. But uh, to talk about this show, I think you, just like me, are game anytime. Oh, there's always time for Spider-Man. So, uh, you know, I, we've talked about the first two seasons before, and one of the things I love the most about this is, uh, one, how it, it is like one continual story. You know, you, you, you they reference things back from the past and everything else. And two, how you can kind of find the parts of this that you can see in movies, like the different depictions of this scene right here in a movie almost, or this part of the scene into a movie. It's pretty fun to see a few of those to point out in this season. And um, and it was it was a good time. I binged it uh, mostly in two days, and then I finished up the last couple episodes the last uh, last day or two. So well, rewatched them. So. Yeah, man. Nice. I'm ready to talk about it. I just got to give a shout out to the creators, too, because uh, the way that they, they structure the show and title it, I love how they have, like, the overall season is titled The Sins of the Fathers. And you look at all, a lot of the individual episodes, they do reflect on that, on father and son relationships, on how what the father does affects what the son does. And it's pretty cool how they do that for each season. Last season was uh, Neogenic Nightmare. And we all know about that with Spider-Man turning into the Man-Spider. And I, I just love how they do that because it's just something that you wouldn't expect back then. And uh, I just think it worked perfectly. And I'm ready to dive in if you are. If you want it, we're going to do our top five as we normally do. So I'll ask you, Greg, what was your number five? Ooh, okay. Uh, top five for this one, um, just because the other ones are kind of a uh, – larger stories and I have to narrow it down to one. It's kind of surprising, man. I really enjoyed the Spot episode. We have our first agreement. <laughs> okay. Number five I, I, for me is the Spot as well. Keep going, yeah. sir. Okay. I really, really enjoyed that episode because it it, uh, it was different than so many other because it wasn't the kind of villain of the week. It was a new guy you were getting introduced to. Uh, his power was awesome. Like, absolutely love the power. Um, they kind of underutilized it for, I mean, it's obviously a cartoon, so they're, they're not, I don't think they could really show it, to, put it to its full potential. Man, I'm telling you, to have that kind of power, you really could defeat anybody. That, that, that's one of the coolest powers. And the way they depicted it with the dimensions and the, the, the pushing through the portals, I love Spider-Man having the spider sense and being able to figure out what portal to punch through uh, to, to, you know, get the landing blow or, uh, but 
I don't know, man. I, I think maybe it might be recency bias, but I had a lot of fun watching this episode. It didn't feel like the whole world was uh, was coming to an end. Well, actually, that's kind of funny because in this episode, the whole world was coming to an end. So at one point in time, it could have been. Um, I don't know. I guess it didn't feel like the normal Spider-Man issues. It, it was I couldn't. Different. I couldn't agree more with you. And I think the, the spot uh, Michael uh, owns. Uh, demeanor and character and personality plays a lot into having fun with this episode because he's having fun with his powers as well and I just absolutely loved it like you said and they do uh, you did point out that that power would be like crazy especially in the wrong hands like a Punisher and we do see this power further down the line get into the wrong hands and it causes a lot of madness a lot of chaos and some air quotes deaths. Uh, it's just crazy to think about. Like you could rob banks with ease. You could finish off your enemies while they're sleeping. It's just it's crazy. It's just good that the person that had this power was actually a nice person. He didn't even want to rob any banks. Right. When he had his encounter with Spider-Man, he's like apologizing for making Spider-Man fall off the wall with his. Uh, Time dilation portal. That's what they're called. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great names in this in this uh, season. Great names. Uh, I got you to point out. This was chapter twelve as well. Uh, I just I just loved it. I just thought that, like you said, I was having fun with it, even though I didn't even think about the whole fact that the whole world could get sucked into this portal. Is essentially what they were what they were getting to at the end. It was New York City, but after New York City, would have just kept going and going. Right. So I love I love that. It shows. It shows a lot with Kingpin and his like power to leverage people's loved ones or people or people's feelings or their vulnerabilities against them to make him do what what he wants. We weren't told what uh, the Spot's girlfriend what Kingpin had on on her, but he did have something. She mentioned that early, so I just like that. And I just I I gotta say I really love the Kingpin in this whole season and series because he is a great adversary to spider-man and we don't we, we finally figure out well spider-man finally figures out who the kingpin is and what he's about in this season and it, it's just it's just great for the animated show and to to take this uh, technology and to keep going with it after this chapter into the final few chapters i thought was just smart writing and stuff i wouldn't expect from a animated show in the 90s that you bring this stuff out and you just keep coming back to it. Uh, it's just impressive, Greg. And like you said, I had a whole lot of fun with this episode and I'm so glad you chose it because I didn't think that you would. I thought I was an outlier picking this. Like a part of me, I almost wanted to put a higher, but, but how good the episodes were. And some of them are like really dive into Spider-Man's like lore of his like main rogues. So I just couldn't put it any higher, but this watching this episode caused me to do a major deep dive into the character to see who owned the rights. I went on a major Reddit dive. I found the WikiLeaks pages from when Sony was hacked to find out what characters they own. I went through the 900 characters, and Sony does have ownership of this character, and I think that this would be a great character to, to do a series with on a streaming platform. I think you could really get into this, and we get our first glimpse in this episode as well of Tony Stark, which yeah. was pretty cool to see. And I, I, I love how he called him Moneybags. I thought that was rather funny. 
we he he's revisited and he has revisited in my top five as well. So we'll leave more of the Tony Stark talk for then. But all in all, I agree with you. This was just such a fun episode, and I uh, I'm glad you agree with me. That's hold on real quick. All right, was that the first appearance of Tony Stark? Because yeah. Did, wasn't Iron Man in the Carnage? That is that that was that aired after this that aired after this episode, but, okay. the, chap, but the chapters were titled before it. Okay. See, I watched it in the order of the chapters. Yeah, that's the way yeah, that people normally watch it. But okay. in the in the air date, uh, the spot was aired first, and okay. the okay. Uh, Carnage Venom stuff was aired second. Uh, the, the release date of the spot was October 26, 1996, and then and then the Venom Returns was in November 2nd of 1996. So okay. they kind of switched random chapters, and I think it, it, it's smart and it plays well because uh, we get – that's a pretty good first little look into uh, Tony Stark, and then you get to bring him in even more in the following two episodes. So I think it's pretty cool how they worked it around like that. Uh, for the air dates for us kids back in the day. Yeah. So just got to give them props on that. And nice for pointing that out because it is the way it is on Disney mm-hmm. Plus too. So okay. good well, on you, man, for pointing that out. Well, see, that's actually what's so funny because I was irritated at Disney Plus because I was watching it and like I was, I think I was on, I think it goes through like one through nine. And I think if it gets to nine, it skips to like 13, then like uh, then uh, 12, then 11, then 10, then 14. So it's like really crazy. And I was irritated. I was like, why does it do that? So I would go through and watch it in order. I didn't know why it had it in that kind of order. It also, on Disney+, Plus, and I'm pretty sure I said this before, it only has everything down as one season. Yeah, that's very annoying. <laughs> it is. It's really I'm, annoying. I'm a Roku TV sometimes. If I, go, if, I print, if I scroll across the screen too fast, it'll reset to episode yeah. one. Like, I'll be on episode 16, and yeah. then I'll hit over again right quick, and it'll be episode one again, and I'll have to cycle through all the episodes again is rather annoying and mm-hmm. i think disney plus really needs to get get their act together with that and on the ipad they need to get their act together with the continuous play because i'm i have an older apple tv in generation three so mm-hmm. i can't add any apps so i can't add disney plus so i just do the airplay from my ipad when i'm in my room watching disney plus because on the, on the roku tv it's on a streaming service channel so you can get disney plus but on my old Apple TV, you can't. So I just airplay from the iPad to the Apple TV. But with the iPad, the episodes don't automatically play one after another. You got to get in and play it. Oh, so yeah. that's that's a little annoying. And I'm surprised at Disney, uh, with, like it's such a big company. You think they would have this stuff on on lockdown pretty quickly, uh, with how much money they're getting for this? I listened to the most recent fans of their brothers, and they have 50 million people subscribed to Disney Plus already. So wow. you would think with all that uh, stuff that they would uh, they would be able to get these little bugs and work them out a lot quicker than what they have because this this streaming service has been around for for a little while now, and you think that this has been like it from the start. So right. at least yeah, full championship model of it has at least. So so what you're saying is you'd rather just be a full streaming like or not full stream, but like a uh, just once the next episode, that episode's done, just go straight straight to the next episode type yes, deal? Yes, like, like keep going to the episodes unless you stop it yourself. <laughs> or like the Netflix, after four or five episodes, they ask you, are you still watching this? 
there, there's one downside to that, and I found that out this afternoon. I got home from work at like 3.30 this afternoon, and I've been sitting there. My wife just started the episode one of Lucifer, and we've never seen that before. And I've been sitting here watching Lucifer right up until the time that I was getting ready to podcast with you. That's the only downside to Netflix doing that is it'll suck you in. <laughs> yeah, it, day, it, it does. But, as, so. but all of us right now, in this day, yeah, what's going on right now, I think we don't <laughs> care about getting sucked in for a day to forget about that's what's true. going on. Uh, the health minister in my province announced this might still go on until November. So mm. I'm a little... Uh, like getting stir crazy here already and we're only in april so <laughs> uh i i still there is some bugs to work out with it but i'm just happy to have it uh this this was on netflix canada for me a few years ago this was when i really went hard and watched it like six or seven times uh <laughs> the whole series so <laughs> I, I just watched Dang. it like over and over again man it was like it was crazy. I was like, maybe I should get into something else new. I was like, nope, let's roll it back again. So, yeah, <laughs> just love this. So, got to ask you now, Greg, what is your number four? Well, uh, okay, yeah, go to go number four. Uh, number four, so I guess that was both our number fives. So, uh, man, see, this is difficult for me because, like, I, I really, you know what? I'm going to consider those an episode. Uh, and I'm going to say number four is Turning Point, the final episode. Ooh, Really, really enjoyed that episode. I love the cliff ta- cliffhanger that it leaves you on. Um, and, you know, it's a fun fight between Spider-Man and Green Goblin. You know? It's always you, a fun fight. You're right, and I think it's one of the more serious fights in the series, to be honest with you. It has the most high stakes, and unfortunately, we were going to find out what happened to Mary Jane in the sixth season, but it was canceled. Yep. Madam Webb was supposed to take... Uh, spider-man through these dimensions uh, through these alternate dimensions to find mary jane and we got it canceled and we got spider-man unlimited instead which god awful decision by marvel no wonder they went bankrupt in 96 <laughs> with those kind of decisions yeah uh man um uh, this episode was just awesome and i love how this episode was we, we were just talking in the group chat group chat earlier talking about we started talking about Spider-Man the Animated Series, and I think you were talking about how they did the whole Doctor Strange origin in one minute. Yeah. I think I think this is a, a slightly different version of Spider-Man One the movie in 22 minutes. It hits it hits a lot of the same aspects of that movie. It even comes down to the end where he you know he hits him with the the glider. He tries to hit attack Spider-Man from behind with the glider, and Spider-Man moves out of the way and he knocks him into the portal similar to the way, way there was in the movie. Like, it, it's pretty cool to see things like that, I think. And I'm sure it's probably happened in the comics. I don't know if that's a classic way for Spider-Man and Green Goblin's fights to end. I like reading Spider-Man, but I've definitely nowhere near read every Spider-Man uh, comic or near call myself an expert. But I thought that was pretty cool. Um, let's see. Couldn't oh. agree more. Brent, if you're listening, let us know uh, if it's a comic trope. Because I'm curious as well, because I haven't read many Spider-Man comics as well. So that's a good point there, Greg. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was it was funny in this episode how, you know, uh, Green Goblin discovers who Peter Parker is. And it's simply by being above him in an alley on a, on a, on a, a building, looking over at him while he takes the mask off. You know, just in broad daylight in the middle of the alley, just takes the mask off and suit and whatever and changes and goes... 
And then later on the episode, Peter's like, how does he know? I'm like, maybe because he was you took your uniform off in the middle of an alley with your spider sense going crazy and just ignored it. Maybe that's how he knows. <laughs> like that that made me laugh. It was really funny. But yeah. in Spider-Man, in Peter's defense, he did look a couple times, but uh, the Green Goblin dove into those portals. And to back up what you were saying, yeah. in, in number five, the spot, if you got that technology, you can really do some damage. And he does it here. He even says that in the, preview, in the episode before that he's going to get his revenge on Spider-Man. And he uses that to find out who Spider-Man is because whenever his spider sense goes crazy, it goes crazy a few times. He looks around and he can't see anybody because the goblin was looking at him. And then when he turned to look, he dove into the portal and the portal disappeared. So it's like he's looking into the sky. He's like, what's going on? And yeah. I do like one other point about that is Peter actually thinks like, is my uh, like issues coming back when my powers are going wacky and crazy and I'm losing them again? Because mm-hmm. of what happened in the previous season, which I'll give the writer some credit for putting that in there, because a lot of people would just leave it blank, and I would laugh. But had, but they point pointed out that he was thinking that maybe my spider sense is going off, going wacky, because I had problems with my spider powers in the previous season. Yeah. And and I heard, and I can't remember what episode it was. Actually, in season four, which I'm listening to, what I'm watching right now again, uh, he mentions that. Uh, Scorpion was created a couple months ago, so all these stuff that's happened in these couple seasons happens in the span of a few months. So for him to get reason. his power, yeah. yeah. So for him to get lose his powers and then finally be done with it at the end of the season, and then for him to have that happen a few like at the end of this season, I can understand why he would think maybe it's just my spider sense going, my powers going out of whack again. Right. So I'll give him a bit more credit there, but I did laugh like you. I just thought <laughs> if my powers went crazy like that, my spider sense, I would just like web away and go somewhere else to try and change. Right. Like I wouldn't be, I'd go into sewer or I'd go, like I wouldn't be so blatantly obvious in the middle of an alley, but that just pays the question of like, what happens if it's just a regular person's looking down? Would that even set off his spider sense? Like does his spider sense go off if somebody's going to find out his secret identity or if he's in danger? Like, what one are we talking about here? Because a regular run-of-the-mill reporter looking at him, I don't think he's going to think it's danger. So I don't know why the spider sense would kick in there. So that that's what made me laugh. So I can agree with you. Like, just getting <laughs> undressed in the middle of an alley just seems, like, very careless. Right, right. <laughs> uh, I also thought it was funny. Uh, for a guy who runs out of web cartridges at the most inopportune times all the time, um, he threw three web cartridges in the fire to cause a distraction. And I was like, wow, one could have done the job, but threw three in there. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> I was wondering how much they cost, to be honest with you. I was like, gee, like, where you're pretty poor. You're kind of like portraying like you're pretty poor. How are you making up all these cartridges? Like, where are you getting all these tiny CO2 cylinders? And how, how are you doing all this? Like, show me a little bit more. Although they do show it in some episodes of him making specialty webbing for like Hydro Man and. Right. Uh, for Craven, so I, I do, I just, I just think that they're so, they were so good in writing this back then that it's just, it's very impressive that they don't go out of the way too much. But you, like you said, it is funny. To, like, you really need to throw three cartridges in there to be like to <laughs> create that big of an explosion. And you're always out. <laughs> like, yeah, I that was my thing. You're always out. Uh, I thought it was funny that he's wearing, he was wearing the spider suit under the tux. 
and there, there's a moment where he's he's being held by the goblin. He's being dragged through the air, and this uh, steel or metal rope, whatever goblin has him in, and uh, he reaches down his pocket of the tux, which if you've worn a tux, you know that front pocket and that jacket's really really small. He pulls this huge round web cartridge out. <laughs> I know I'm picking on the story now, but I think it's so funny. It's why I love watching this guy's stuff. Because watching as an adult, it's still awesome to watch, but it's just so funny to see these yeah, you, little bitty things I never noticed as a kid, you know? Yeah, you pick up on these things, and mm-hmm. I was the same way. I was thinking, like, is that talk specially made? How are you affording, <laughs> yeah. how are you affording this? You're supposed <laughs> to be poor. Yep. Like, come on, like, consistency. And I'll agree with you. It was It was pretty big, and for him to finagle that while the Green Goblin's just there having a big villain monologue uh flying around i'm just like oh dude you're not very good at your job at all green goblin you could have easily disposed of it by now oh yeah so i'll agree there and then i think the last point that probably made me really like enjoy this episode was uh in the first fight with peter and the green guy or spider-man and the green goblin uh they destroyed mail truck at the very end you see it the mail trucks in there i was like oh i saw that i noticed more mail trucks now than i ever did for post office, never noticed them before. Now I see them. You're um, like, that's how I was inspired. <laughs> yeah. I forgot What's all about it. Number four. Uh, number four for me is Doctor Strange, okay. Chapter One, and I freaking love this. I love this introduction, Doctor Strange. I don't think we see Doctor Strange anymore in this series, but just to throw him in there like that and to tell the story, great and. It just worked for me on so many different levels. I thought that uh, he, like the spells that he cast, that the, the, the origin was completely told exact exact same really mm-hmm. in the movie, and that'll back up the exact well, thing you said about uh, in, the, in the movie they utilized Mordo more than they did. Who was the guy? Uh, who was the guy in the Mordo was the bad guy at the end, the very, very end. Like, that's what they led him to be probably going to be the next movie. What was the other guy's name? Dormammu. No, Dormammu was the head. Yeah, was that's the, the guy that he came to bargain with, and and Mordo was the but guy you're talking mo- about. Yeah, no. the guy, the, the thing in the movie is is Dormammu. Yeah, 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 yeah. you're right. The thing in the movie yeah. is Dormammu. And then there's... Mordo is is the guy who's working with Doctor Strange through the movie, kind of training yeah. with him. And then there's the other guy. What's the other guy's name? The other bad. Why? Oh no, no, not, no. Oh yeah, I don't know. He's not in the. Uh, that, he's not. He's he's not in the 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 animated series. Right. That's what I mean. That's how different. Was all I really meant. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. They they essentially just uh they didn't accelerate the uh uh. Well, basically, they they made the the guy in the movie. I can't remember his name now. It's driving me crazy. I know, me too. I gotta look but they up. they made him uh, Mordo, as he is in this episode, really. Right. Because exactly. he's working for Dumamu, and he used to be a part of uh, the society that Doctor Strange is a part of, and he used to work for the Ancient One, but he got tempted and went over to Dumamu, and essentially that's what happens to Mordo in this animated series but they just held that off they just let him work with dr strange for a little bit to build that relationship to create a little bit more tension instead of just telling people that they're mortal enemies right. which is a good way to do it in the movie but mm-hmm. you could tell how they got some inspirations from this episode especially oh, yeah. with telling of dr strange's origin that's what i meant to say like mm-hmm. of how he had an accident his hands were all covered off he climbed up the mountain he met the ancient one he trained with him 
it was all like pretty similar to the way it was in the movie, just the way that they told Doctor Strange's origin anyway. And I, I, I loved it. I love how he works with Peter. Wang is great in this as well. And I also love the uh, the use of Mary Jane's father and Peter's parents. It all was it all works so well and it shows the power of both Mordo and Dormammu and they get brought back around in later in the season. So I, I just love how they have callbacks like that. Yeah. And one question I had was where was Doctor Strange in the uh, the later part when they're dealing with Dormammu that he could have really helped there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just tired, like was he got on vacation or something or but even the even his the place the sanctuary Sanctum Sanctor Sanctum Sanctorium I think it's called. Yeah. Think uh, he like that was look rather similar to what it did in the movie. So yeah. I just thought like this 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 show is so many things are pulled from it. Like you said with the Spider-Man 1. This is it, it like the turning point was basically 20 minutes. They expanded upon it so much, and it was a lot of the same scenes in the movie, and the same thing goes with Doctor Strange, and I really enjoyed it, I must say. I thought it was a great introduction, and Doctor Strange's powers were are really good in animated mm-hmm. in animation. Oh, yeah. I, I love the way they do the character. I mean, I love Doctor Strange's look. is always pretty cool, and it makes Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch perfect casting for that role. Like I, th- I think that he he looks like the the live action version of what we just saw animated, which is pretty cool. Um, oh, uh, Casilius, I think is his name. Matt Matt Nicholson plays. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Guy? Okay, yeah. yeah. Make sure I was pronounced right. I've only seen very, him very times. forgettable bad guy. Yeah. No offense. <laughs> well, he did a great no, He did a great yeah. job in the, in the role, I think. But just yeah. uh, I don't know. I think they should have just gone mortal. But I I don't know that much about Doctor Strange, so I can't really. I don't really have a lot I can throw into it and. We'll see. We'll see with the second Doctor Strange how they do with Mordo. Maybe we'll we'll be like, yeah, that was a good way to do it. So we'll, yeah. I'll hold out my judgment until I see that. But uh, I agree that they could have done it the way that you're talking about, the way that he did it in this this animated show as well. But I don't know if you would have created as much tension between Doctor Strange and Mordo as it is in the movie because they were pretty good friends and partners for most of this. Uh, most of that movie, he tr- helps train him and everything. So uh, I-, I think that that might be the smarter way to go for more appearances, like instead of the one-off that we got here. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's funny. We should just talk about this a little more because that's actually my number three. Oh, nice. Um, so, you know. Nice just, segue, well, my friend. Nice yeah. segue. That's what I was thinking when you said that. I was like, cool, we'll just walk right into my number three then. And, I mean, it's, it's all the same things, man. Um Doctor Strange is an interesting character that I don't know enough about. And that, that's just kind of the truth of it. I, I know what I've seen from this animated series when I was younger and watching it now, and I know what I've seen from the movies. I've never really read a lot of Doctor Strange. I don't know a lot about the character. He seems like a pretty cool guy. I'd hang with him. You know? Same. Uh, I think he could teach us a lot about the, his magic. And like you, I just like I just loved that. Like, it was my number four, but I just I could have it could have went higher, could have went lower. Uh, we'll have we have the reverse of our number three and fours, mm. so I can and understand. Same number five. <laughs> I can understand. I put Goblin War and the Turning Point uh, yeah. together because it was a, a both stories, and I I just loved the Hive Goblin as well. Shout out to Mark Hamill. Uh, yeah. Great. I know it's a little, I know it rides really heavily into the Joker voice, but I'm okay with that. Uh, he he does a better job of 
uh, changing up his voice when he's uh, Jason, mm-hmm. uh, Felicia Hardy's fiance, and Felicia Hardy is featured a nice bit more in this season, and rightfully so, she plays an even bigger role in the following season. Right. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to talking to you about that when we get to it. Uh, just really enjoyed it. It it was like the Hobgoblin has the time. He reintroduces the time dilation accelerator. And like I said, the Kingpin, it's like Norman Osborn's trying to get like it's all Norman Osborn's there. The Hobgoblin's there. And then Norman Osborn comes back into the Green Goblin. He can't fight it and creates that menace and you get the goblins fighting each other and i love that i think that that's great uh but the green the hobgoblin doesn't know that the green goblin is norman osborne who provided mm-hmm. the hobgoblin everything and knows who the hobgoblin is so he the basically the hobgoblin is pretty screwed when it boils down to it because yeah. the green goblin knows his identity and shows up and felicia loses her fiance who is only into her superficial things like her beauty, her wealth, her uh, sense of decorum. It was, I was just thinking, like, <laughs> dude, there's a lot better things about her than that. Like, no, no, don't be at that. So, uh, yeah. and we already t- touched on the turning point. Arguably the best episode of the season. You could make it, I could listen to an argument anybody have for that being the best episode of the season. Yeah. It basically, in my opinion, inspired a lot of what Spider-Man 2002, the first Spider-Man movie, uh, the one that featured Uncle Ben's death. Uh, <laughs> she feels a necessity, correct? I feel that it, maybe it was it was a little bit too much in Spider-Man 2002, but I really think that you need to show the with great power comes great responsibility and why Spider-Man does what he does. Shout out to Brent on that. We had a discussion today about that, and I, <laughs> I just couldn't help myself but throw it in there. But yeah, I just love both of those, and I just, just man, great storytelling, great two-parters that I remember as a kid being on the edge of my seat, couldn't believe that I had to wait to find out uh, what happened. Uh, it was it was a little bit of a wait too. It was a week, and I was just like, "What's going to happen here? Like, Green Goblin's going to tear shit up, mm-hmm. uh, not shit, but tear stuff up," <laughs> <laughs> and a Nine-year-old and nine-year-old Travis was completely glued, waiting for it to come out of the Fox. Yeah. So I have to ask, what is your number two, Greg? Well, hold on. For that, I want to talk about Goblin real quick because I had a couple things about that that I love. Ooh. It was was a really good one. It was it was kind of fringing on me for that one. And that's the difference is if you watch if you watch it in order of chapter, Goblin War, there's the spot between that and uh, Turning Point. Yeah. Kind of breaks up that story a little bit, but um. I did. I did really. I really enjoyed Goblin War. Um, I think that this is the the the, the thing where it, MJ kind of decides that she's starting to become a problem, or she, she attracts trouble, which is one thing she pointed out, which I thought was really really funny because that's usually the reverse with you know Peter Parker or whatever. Maybe it's them syncing up their thoughts or something. I'm not sure. I thought they had awesome names of things. They have the best names ever of things in this series, like um, the 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 time di- di- dilation accelerator. Okay, was what the guy found, and when he was trying to sell it, he was calling a digital, uh, excuse me, a digital restitutional analyzer with a servo-controlled, uh, yeah, a servo-controlled incendiary optimizer. And I was like, wow, I can't, I can't even say that, like, read that past him, say it, because it's so 
don't know. I think it's awesome. It's fun, it's fun stuff to say. Um, I was like, laughing at that too, Greg. I gotta yeah. say, the old man just trying to make a sale. It was very funny. Did you see at the very end, Felicia, the comment she makes at the very end of Goblin Wars? She's looking like a black cat. Yep, noticed that. <laughs> yep. Wrote that down. I that was cool. I'm like That's a black cat. What I'm excited to talk to you about next, next uh, when we discuss the next season. Oh, uh, but yeah, just just a great two-parter and uh, the way that the chapters work out. That uh, the, the spot was the spot in the chapter-wise is supposed to be before these two-part Goblin Wars, not in air dates. That's not how it went. Air mm-hmm. dates and what the spot, then Venom, and the Venom and Carnage two-parter, and then the Goblin two-parter. Right. But in terms of story, it makes a lot of sense that the spot goes after, goes just before these two because of the time dilation accelerator and the portals. Right. It gives you a handle on all of that. Because uh, well, you kind of get rid of the time dilation accelerator in the, in the final the turning point. Yeah. So, so there would be no point to have the spot after that because it, was, it wouldn't make sense. I get that. It's basically a three-episode story arc of the time dilation accelerator and the power that it can give to whoever wields it. And obviously Kingpin is there lurking around uh, wanting that power because he wants all the power all the time because he's a fantastic villain for 90s animated shows. And 2% body fat. Oh yeah. I, we'll get, we'll get to his, his fighting. I think, and our, I think I'm going to guess our top rated one, but maybe not. So I got to ask you, Greg, what is your number two? Number two, I'm lumping two of them together. And uh, together. I'm going to lump together the Venom Returns and the Carnage episodes for my number two. We are agreed. Okay, that means we probably have to say number one. All right, cool. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about it, man. Uh, you know, I love Venom. Um, I'm, I mean, not as huge of a Carnage fan, but of course it's just, you know, uh, they're brother-sister comics. You know, one's from the other. Of course, if you're into Venom, you've read a little bit of uh, Carnage. Um, I like the introduction of the characters. Uh, I like how they brought carnage back or excuse me not venom back i thought that was pretty cool because that brings the whole dormammu aspect into it which is really fun um which once again kind of makes me wonder why like you were saying they didn't uh didn't have dr strange you know in these uh these episodes but i don't know man like i said something about venom for me you know and it was cool how they set it up in venom returns how they introduced cletus cassidy you know, and, you know, you, you, you know something then's going to happen, especially no, well, me knowing now the next episode is Carnage and knowing that that's his name. Um, but uh, he was an interesting character. Do you know who played the voice of him? I'm not exactly sure. Do you? Are you going to let me know? No, I, I'm, you know what? I'm going to look it up while you talk about it, but uh, I, I don't really know. But um, I'm trying to think. Uh, awesome introduction to Rhodey in this one. Uh, yep. He was he was a badass. Um, Carnage is born at the end of Venom Returns. Just look through my notes. I like how Dormammu teamed up with Eddie Brock, which is pretty cool because, I don't know, I think Eddie Brock's a cool character in this series. He's kind of a dick, but I just think it's awesome that you could be that ripped and never work out. Uh, Scott Cleaver- Cleaverton is the guy who voiced uh, oh, okay. Cletus and Carnage, and I don't know who he is. never heard of him before. Never heard of him since. He's done some voice a- voice acting, though. Apparently, he was in an episode of Legends of Tomorrow as well. Uh, don't know. Don't remember him. Not memorable to me. But uh, just got to say, I couldn't agree with you more. I think Venom is one of the standout villains of this uh, of this ser- of this series. 
he they they took a whole season to build to him, which I mean, su- such a great such a great uh, idea to do that, and uh, you don't see that very often in animated shows back when we were growing up. You would mm. see it more now, like I can understand him to bully more of it now, but back then you didn't see that type of build to a character. Like young Travis didn't have any idea in the first episode of Night of the Lizard when he seen Eddie Brock. All he thought was Eddie Brock was a dick to try and expose Kurt Connors, but he didn't have any idea that he would become Venom and place and be basically Spider-Man's like mortal enemy, the baddest villain Spider-Man has had to face. He has all the powers except stronger, mm-hmm. and then they basically humanize him Looks in this two-parter. Oh, he looks cool, especially in this animated show. Okay. I think he they, they nailed it. Uh, the very, very on the nose with Todd McFarlane's look. Uh, and I think they made him into a perfect anti-hero in mm-hmm. these two parts. They changed, yep. they flipped the switch on it. And it's just fantastic, Greg. And yep. I love how, like you said, with Carnage, like I love how crazy he is. I love how... He all he likes is Carnage, and you don't see those characters in uh, animated shows like even Batman the animated series. But Joker, Joker's not like this. Joker's right. not this crazy. Like he's like that in The Dark Knight Returns, but in in this, like they say stuff like the the heinous crimes that Cassidy has done. Like they won't even put them in the New York Times. Right. They won't even air them. And you're just like. Man, this guy's bad. But in Joker, he in Batman the Animated Series, like I don't like cross over much, but he's more happy-go-lucky and let you can laugh at him. But they actually make Cletus Cassie scary to me. Like I was scared yeah. of him when I was nine. I thought mm-hmm. that he was like it was crazy, and I just I just loved it. And the fact that like he takes the souls, the fact that like he's a spine of Carnage. I knew a little bit about it from Spider-Man and Venom: Maximum Carnage, the game for Super Nintendo. Still probably one of my favorite Spider-Man games. It definitely was until uh, the PlayStation games. So oh, yeah. it, it it did a good job for quite a while. I, I, I just loved that game. I, it was so difficult. I just loved playing it. One person in my small town had the game for Super Nintendo. So it was like a total face-off with everybody else trying to trade <laughs> games with him to yeah. get that game for a little bit. <laughs> uh Unfortunately for me, I didn't have Super Nintendo, so I only think only way I could play was befriending him and going to his house. We are not friends anymore. I I, I feel a little him. bad. I feel a little bad about it, but I totally totally used him to play Spider Man, uh, Max Venom, Maximum Carnage, and uh, the, uh, the funny thing about it is his younger brother is one of my best friends now. So <laughs> it all comes <laughs> around. Yeah, you just gotta uh, make sure you let him come over and play video games whenever he wants. I told yeah, I told him that I actually that was the main reason I went over to his house back in the day was to play mm-hmm. that game. Like I didn't didn't sugarcoat it at all, but it, just great. And we didn't even talk about it. Iron Man is featured and War Machine is featured. You yeah. get War Machine first, and you build to Iron Man from it. And I think they did a better job in this than they do in the Iron Man and Iron Man Two movie because. Essentially, you make it so that in the Iron Man and Iron Man 2 that that Rhodes can pilot the Iron Man suits just as good as Tony Stark easily. And right. his Iron Man suit is just as good as Tony Stark's in the Iron Man and Iron Man 2. And besides the hammer tech stuff he puts on it, that was duds, but the hammer was terrible compared right. to Tony. But they basically made 
Rhodes like gave him easily abilities with no training to do to fly those suits. But here we get a War Machine tries to take on Venom and Carnage, and he's not up to the task. He gets hurt, and mm-hmm. then they bring in the heavy hitter, the big gun, the Iron Man, and he is fantastic. I think he is perfect. I, I love oh, yeah. him. I remember freaking out at like wondering who was that guy. I, I was just like. So I was saw, in awe. He saw, really. he saw Iron Man for the first time? Yeah. I was yeah. just like, this is so badass. He looks amazing. Yeah. Yeah, especially, like, you know, he had that real, uh, I guess you could, it was, like, the rusty red and, like, mustard yellow look. It wasn't, like, shiny. I don't know. The, the, the animation of it was awesome. I loved uh, that, you know, Madam Webb's telling Spider-Man in this about the evil, and I'm sure she's talking about Carnage, and then this one she tells him that he needs to uh, re- rely on an ally, an expected ally, or, so, or is this the friends close, the enemies closer? Episode. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah, he did, and he needed to rely on an unexpected ally. You're right. He said both of those things. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Like, you see her showing up more and more in every episode of the season, developing a relationship with him, and he's uh, really, really doesn't like her. But uh, you know, Carnage working for Dormammu, which is crazy. That's a pretty lethal combination, I think, of villains. Um, stealing life force to get Dormammu back to uh, back to or transport him to the Earth. It's a it's a pretty insane storyline, man. Uh, it's a pretty crazy team up. You know, when I, I when I think about villain team ups, I don't think about Carnage and Dormammu. But uh, they made it work. Same. You know? And a couple of voice actor shout outs. Shout out to Robert Hayes, who voices Tony Stark and Iron Man in this, because he voiced that in the Iron Man animated show in from '94 to '96 as well. That has one of the most badass intros of all time for animated shows. It is phenomenal. Uh, I implore anybody to check it out on YouTube. It, it is it is amazing. Uh, it's one of my favorites. And and also shout out to Uncle Phil James Avery, who is War Machine. Really, I didn't yeah. know that. Okay. Really good. And another yeah. shout out that I forgot about was Hank Azaria played Venom and Eddie Brock who okay. is a big-time voice actor in The Simpsons. And he he's very famous. He's been in so many things. So it's just like, just bring in the heavy hitters for this uh, for this show and this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the crossover, like, I was say, like I've said before, like, this was planned as a big animated universe that's what their plan was and there was a lot of toys to come with it because they were in partnership with a toy company it all fell apart and that was basically one of the main reasons they declared bankruptcy uh was the failures of this but they tried to create they basically tried to create a, an mau before the mcu and just, yeah i was just about to ask do you think marvel studios looked at that and said we should do that live action I think so, Greg. To be honest yeah. with you, that that and uh, I was reading up on it. They they when they went to bankruptcy after that, they sold the rights of some of their popular characters to get uh, some cash, and mm-hmm. then uh, for just for to be liquidate, like have some cash flow coming in. And when they seen how how much some of the characters brought in their own movies, the Spider Man movie, the X Men movie, and the Blade movie, they were like, oh, there's this one guy who is very pivotal. He was like, let's not sell any more of our characters. Let's let's do our own movies and make get 100% of the profits. 
mm-hmm. and they had to put up ten character, ten properties, and they got a loan of five hundred fifty million dollars to make Iron Man one. And from that, they sold. Like I, I believe that Marvel would have been sold regardless, but I think because of that that play and the move of having Iron Man made, I think that wrote that rolls it up so much. Whereas if they didn't do that, they still would have felt the the guy argued that if we didn't do this. We, if we did this and failed, we'd be in no worse situation than if we didn't do this and just stand pat. He yeah. he said that we would be, they would get someone would get us anyway. So with that move, they they got like they had a big hit, and yeah. other other companies like Disney seen the potential there, and they were bought. So just all in all, smart move. Oh, but yeah. I, I always call this the original. Uh, the original animated series, they had a different person in Spider in Iron Man's animated show play War Machine, Jim Jim Rhodes, than they did in the Spider Man animated series episode. So that's okay. just another little fun fact. Right. Uh, but I think James Avery nails it, so he would be I, my choice. I had no idea that he played the role. Now that I'm trying, I'm trying to think about his voice now, so I can see if I can hear it. But I'm sure that I can. I have to go back and listen to it. I'm sure as soon as I listen to it, I'll be like, oh yeah, I hear yeah, that now. You're like Shredder. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I thought uh, it's so funny because in these two episodes, I love how a PG the language is about these. Like, there's one <clears throat> scene I can't remember who Venom's talking to. Maybe Venom and Carnage going back and forth. Can't remember. Or one of them's like, "I could eat you for breakfast." The other one's like, "Oh yeah, I'd give you indigestion." And that's like his comeback. And I was like, "Oh, that's creative. I'd give you indigestion." And then uh, I think Jameson in his office gets called yellow. And he's like, "Yellow, how dare you use that language against me?" And I was like, I didn't "You'll know be that. hearing from you'll be hearing from my lawyers." Yeah, I have the best. <laughs> like, like I don't like, I don't think yellow is that big, but I guess you know in this world, being yeah, called I, yellow is, is no. no I guess lack. as an as a nine and ten year old, you're like, "Whoa, <laughs> man! Like that that's bad." Yeah. <laughs> but, my mom is, is yellow a swear word. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I did that. I did that with Screw You. I remember in um, is it Batman and Robin? There's a Batman Forever. Which one is it? Where the where Chris O'Donnell's playing Robin and he says Screw You, Batman, or Screw I think You, it's, Bruce. I think it's Batman and Robin because Batman I don't think he's he's that much of a little shit in uh, Batman Forever. Okay, I think I went to my parents and I was like, "What does Screw You mean?" <laughs> and I got in trouble. They were like, "What context, son? What context?" <laughs> right. It all depends. <laughs> But yeah, like yeah, you man. said, just Good. just great, just great. Like even just the look of the characters, just great. Leaps out, leaps out of the screen to me, at me. Like the way Carnage, you like change. He has Spider-Man there, and he's gonna chop his head off, and he changes his hand to an axe. Mm-hmm. You see that in all the comics. You, I couldn't believe that they would do something like that. It, like we gotta remember, this is for built for people like nine to twelve, eight to twelve. This is not built for like eighteen-year-olds. This is not an animated show like that's going on. Uh, late night like with rick and morty and stuff like that this is right. uh just for kids and it still holds up they they, they change stuff some stuff around like uh new york is the most advanced civil advanced town in all of the world where they're shooting lasers at each other all the time like stun guns basically from star trek <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but that's just some of the concessions that you got to make and i just I think it's just fantastic, and like you said, Venom was great, and the look, and just just a great two-parter, and I don't think we're going to even have a doubt of our number ones. No, definitely not. We're going to knock it right to it, man, because I've been excited to talk about these 
Uh, I think it's got to be uh, Framed and uh, Man Without Fear, right? Ding, ding, ding! Give the yeah. man, give the man a prize. <laughs> I mean, it's got, it's got to be the Spider-Man Daredevil team up because that's one of the coolest team ups there is, man. I love these two characters together as a team up. They look awesome together. Uh, it, it makes sense for them to be together. Like, I love this team up, and I hope, hope, hope so badly that one day I get to see it live action. Uh, I don't know if I will. Who knows? You may. They, uh, they, there is, no. there is a. Uh... There's a there's a pretty there's there's a pretty good chance it may actually happen like the rights are going back to Marvel in in November. Yeah, I mean it's with everything. Yeah, you're right. I mean it's definitely a possibility. I mean it'd be cool, but I mean I want to see Charlie Cox. Oh yeah, Daredevil on screen. The only thing like I I would I wouldn't even care if they tried to put him as Daredevil on screen and said he wasn't connected. I don't care like to the show. I don't care. Yeah. I don't need to hear anything from the show. <laughs> right. Just give me that Daredevil. That's all. Exactly. Exactly. But um, but this episode was great. I loved how it starts out in frames where Peter, you're in court and Peter's arrested with no bail, and you're like, well, what the hell happened? You know, because it doesn't really tell you what happened until later on in that episode. And I don't know. Like I said, I haven't seen this in 20 years, so I'm watching a lot of these for the review for the first time in 20 something years. Um, actually longer than that. 25 years? I can't remember. Anyway, I feel a little amazing myself. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, the way they portrayed Daredevil on this was awesome. I love his demeanor when he's not being Daredevil. I love his demeanor when he's Daredevil, and he is one badass MFR in this in this uh, show. Fighting style. I gotta ask you, how did how did you like the way they portrayed his powers and his vision? Because I loved that. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool, man. Um, I like that it at least gives you an idea or something. It doesn't just tell you what happens; it gives you the idea, and you can actually see what he sees. You know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Kind of, kind of like a sonar type deal. Right. The way the way they show it, and I also got to say, just to point out his vision thing, when him and Spider Man are on the roof. And he's like, there's two, there's two men behind the sign there. One is overweight and breathing very heavily, and he yeah. runs behind and kicks both their butts and throws them through the through the billboard. And he and Spider-Man's like, whoa, this dude can give my spider sense a run for his money. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, just just little little things like that that you're just like, man, you can tell they put a lot of thought and care into this. Like they didn't just throw it all together and just see what works and just throw uh, just throw it all together and be like here kids here's three or four characters together that that you know like here just see them kick butt they they actually put a little bit of time into it telling like showing the different powers and showing like his skill set and how spider-man would react to that it was just like i said very well done for mm-hmm. middle of the 90s oh yeah well they gave you a good origin for uh, Daredevil too, you know, yeah. the, all these characters are introducing where, where they have these one-off episodes or sometimes two-off episodes. They give you a great origin for them, like enough where you could make a movie about this, and sometimes they do. You know? Yeah, and they, sometimes they just draw some inspirations from this, not all, but some. Yeah, and you even get you even get a Fisk origin story. Yep. In, which, in this uh, episode, which is pretty cool to see. It's great, and mm-hmm. it, and it all comes back around in the end for the Fisk origin story about. Uh, sacrifices must be made. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, it, 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 you know, we go back to the, the sins of the father type thing. What was it with fifth was origin? Like his father gave him up, and then yeah. in the in the in the end of this, 
Fisk sends his son to jail yeah. to save his own tail. So it's the you know sins of the father type deal. It's 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 just crazy how that all is. And I like how they're trying to get this disc, and this disc is not in any kind of case. It's just a round CD-ROM that everybody's floating around, sticking in their pockets, web slinging, you know, blasting, and somehow the disc works. Now, yeah. I'll give a little bit of defense. Uh, my old man had a uh, Nazareth CD mm-hmm. back in the day, and I can remember cracking it in half, sticking it in the CD player, and it's still playing four of the 12 songs completely. Mm-hmm. So... Just to give a little shout out to old CD rhymes and and CD discs back in the day. I don't know about now. They seem like they're a lot more delicate for my PlayStation. If you scratch them a couple times, they're not working anymore. Right. So uh, you got to go get them buffed out or like uh, fixed. So just want to give a shout out to old CD rhymes back in the '95s because <laughs> it was. Uh, I, I agree. I was I was blown away about that. I thought it was crazy. And the thing about uh, like you talked about with Wilson Fisk's origin, he he gets revenge on his father. Like it's heavily implied that he has his father killed. Mm-hmm. Like he brings him there as a frail old man and just does away with him because his father is not. He was like oh, his father was like I told people the kingpin was my son Willie, like really old and really mm-hmm. like just bragging about his son, like feeling like feeling pride for him, and kingpin's like. Yeah, no, I don't care about you one bit. You're gone, and it just just shows how cold Kingpin can be, and it also shows the, it also does a good job in this episode, in these two episodes of showing like the true uh, villain versus hero matchup you have of Daredevil and Kingpin because yeah. they are they are two very big adversaries. Kingpin is Daredevil's adversary even more than Spider-Man's. Not oh, yeah. in this animated show, but in the comics and in the big scheme of grand scheme of things, he is more a Daredevil villain, I think. Anyway, I'm sure if Brent listens to this, he will slide in and let me know that I'm completely wrong about that. If I am, so <laughs> I will give a disclaimer when we do season four if I'm told that I am extremely wrong on the Kingpin being da- more of a Daredevil main villain than a Spider-Man main villain. I think you are right about that. I, th- I think that, I, I, like I said, I'm not positive either, but I'm pretty sure you were right about that. I think, uh, oh, yeah, and you know, it's funny because I think doesn't uh, Fisk even say something in here about whenever he gives his son up, but it coming back, like, it possibly yeah, coming back around to him one day. Long, he said, how long am I going to have to wait until my son come get gets his exact his revenge on mm-hmm. me? Because it's the same kind of thing. His dad sent him to jail, or not sent him to jail, but gave him up so he could be he go to jail, and that was what you know, made him plot his revenge and make, you know, create his empire, kill his father. So, yeah, I mean, it's full circle. I, I have a question for you. Did you pick up one little tidbit, one little nugget that's there that you will find out in season five in this episode? Uh, no, uh, honestly, I can't remember because, like I said, I haven't seen this in so long. I can't remember okay. anything from season five. This is all well, kind of coming back to me now. Well, in frame, when Chameleon is there with, uh, kingpin's son he says it's kind of ironic that peter parker is is dean is like labeled a traitor when you told me when you told me what you did about something like this i'm not don't take it word for word but he said when you told me about about what about his about peter parker's parents mm-hmm. so you remember that when we when we come uh, we come okay. to season five because that plays a role 
in some episodes in season five. So you know, uh, I, I do remember him saying that. Now that you mentioned, I just don't. I, but I, you know, I think I heard, I remember him saying it like, like, oh, that's a interesting line. But just thought of it being a throwaway line because yeah, it, so long. It's it's a it's a very it comes back around and it's very, it just it it blows my mind and gives me a lot of like it makes me be rather impressed with the show that they drop these little nuggets in season three and you don't get past for this until season five. Mm-hmm. Like they're thinking a couple seasons in advance and yeah. you don't even know, especially back then, you don't know if you're if, when you're doing these seasons, you don't know if you're getting another season most of the time. Right. So it's just it just impresses me that they would go and they would do that and then they would, like with the black cat thing that we both talked about uh, with Felicia saying that about black cat that mm-hmm. that gets paid off in the next season but I don't think when they're doing this season they when they're writing it I don't think they realize they they hope that they'll get one so they're right. leaving those nuggets there but I don't think they actually know that they're getting it so it's just it, huh. just just great writing in my opinion well i think it's smart whenever you're doing something like this to, to lay seeds and hope that it one day bears fruit you know well, like, that's, that's kind of what they're doing if it doesn't then it doesn't but you know you, you never know one day you might have something beautiful out of it so you see that a lot in like young justice mm-hmm. and you see that in justice league unlimited uh but that was in 2000s and in 2010 to 2020 uh you, you didn't think you wouldn't expect to get it in 95 or 96 so yeah. it's it's just like I said it's, it's it's very impressive for for the show to do that. Yeah. Well, I, you know, one thing I wanted to point about these two episodes is joining these two episodes together. It's funny because uh, you know Peter Parker in this episode has the flashback of how he got uh, framed for what was going on, <clears throat> and he was making so much money that he quit the Daily Bugle. Yes. Know? And then in the end, the whole time. Matt Murdock's been talking about how, how he's even getting paid to be Peter Parker's lawyer is, you know, I have my, I mean, yeah, I'm getting paid, but and that doesn't really give you any details. You find out that J. Jonah Jameson's been paying for Matt Murdock to, to be his lawyer at the end, which is pretty cool. After he old, quit there. Old Pickle Plus has, has, yeah. uh, has oh. a soft, soft side that we only see, we don't see very often, but when I'm reading Spider-Man comics, he, sorry to, uh, Oh my God, I'm blanking on it. Who's Commissioner Gordon? Uh, uh, uh the, the last Commissioner Gordon. Last Commissioner Gordon. Uh, if you hadn't asked me, I could have told you. God dang it! Like maybe if I'd have seen him more in the movie, like maybe in the. But Snyder this cut, is the voice I hear. There you go. Nice Snyder cut plug there, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, this is the voice I hear when I read. Uh, comics and hear J. Jonah Jameson in Spider-Man comics. This is the voice I hear. I don't, yeah. I don't hear uh, oh, that's driving me crazy now mm. that I don't know it. He was yeah, in Oz think... and everything too. Uh, yeah. J.K. Simmons. God yeah. dang. God yeah. dang it. Well, that's it. You know, it only but, took us like 45 seconds to figure yeah, it out. Yeah, of trailing off. Of, of, <laughs> only took us 45 <laughs> seconds of being pissed of not knowing it. They remember it. But yeah, I, I I love his his J Jonah Jameson as well, and I think he basically channeled this uh, for his J Jonah Jameson. And uh, but this is the voice I hear for my J Jonah Jameson when I'm reading comics, and this is the Spider-Man voice I hear when I'm reading my Spider-Man comics when he is of age. 100%. And this is just just great. And like you said, 
it, like they go in depth with what they show you with the origin story for Kingpin and the showing but origin story of Daredevil. They get a lot in here. And fun fact, this these two episodes were made into a VHS. And same thing with really? the, uh, same thing with the Green Goblin story that is in this season. We didn't talk about this. The first turning point of the Green Goblin when he shows up. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure Green Goblin and the Goblin War turning point are three of those are VHS and the frame and the man without fear are VHS and they're both specials that uh were out. I can remember seeing them growing up, like when I was a little bit older. So just yeah. just just wicked. Just uh, I I'm blown away. I love it. I love the action between them and like we were talking about before with Kingpin fighting these guys uh, Spider-Man making jokes about Kingpin being fat, and then Kingpin grabbing him and basically almost cracking him in half. Mm-hmm. Uh, just shows give, like gives Kingpin more power to me. It makes Kingpin seem like the baddest of the bad, even though like he handles Doc Ock and he handles Rhino and all these guys. And you're like, man, I think Kingpin could really kick their ass. Yeah. Like I honestly think that. And you're just, and it's just rather impressive for normally the the biggest bad like that that controls all the people he's not tough and strong like he is like the crime boss he's usually just the guy that behind the scenes that don't get his hands dirty but in this series kingpin is never afraid to get his hands dirty and it's it's really cool to see (laughs) i thought one of the funniest things uh the king i saw in the whole season was whenever he's talking to uh, the guy who uh ends up becoming the spot and uh he's talking about the possibilities he could finally kill his nemesis spider-man it's just spider-man perched up on a wall you know, like Spider-Man does. And it's just, just a portal here behind him. And uh, you see half of Kingpin pop out of it, like Homer Simpson. <laughs> you know, and reach down like he's going to grab him. And well, I he basically was... put, tries to put him in a full and also <laughs> Right. You're like, man, he would, He just basically dreaming of strangling him. Very, <laughs> very Vincent D'Onofrio-like. Yes. In, in, in the way of he just wants to get revenge and kill people. Yeah. I will say, though, that uh, they have done a good job of all the uh, live-action kingpins that we've seen to date being very strong and, and admirable, or at least able to hold their own. Yes. Cool. So I, I, I appreciate that, because I wouldn't like him as a character. Of course, I don't think he's ever been written like that as a character. No, nope, I don't think so. Own, so. I, and I but, think um, that's a good thing, because that's a very rare thing for the head of the crime syndicate, when, yeah. they don't have any, when they don't have any power. But they've shown kingpin in some comics, Greg, of like being a like master of different martial arts and mm-hmm. training a lot. So it, 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 like it's very, very with the character. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, dude, that's it for me, man. Um, like I said, I think I'm glad we, it's so funny cause, uh, we usually cover almost every episode and at least the first two seasons we did between like the five and three for us, we cover almost every episode and we usually end up agreeing on the first and the second what we like the most. This one, man, we agreed on almost everything. I think, I don't think we had, because my honorable mention was the Doctor Strange. Wait, no, not Doctor Strange. Um, my honorable mention, I had it written down here. Uh, was it Enter the Green Goblin? Yeah. I think that might yeah. Have the Green Goblin. That probably was. was. That would that would have been mine too. I yeah. did mention that that second, but mine was the Make a Wish and the Attack of the Octobot two murder. Yeah. Not for any of the story. Not for because that was average. That was just a regular run in the mill story. Like it was fun, but it was not nothing special. But at the end of the episode, when Spider Man drops off the little girl to like at the end of the second part, the little girl that saves him. Uh, I'm trying to think of her name now. Uh, Elsie. 
I think so. Mousy. No, Mousy was the one that helped her. Yeah, that's right. Mousy was the one that helped her. Um, I don't know. Uh, I can't remember her name now, and I'm really sad that I, I, I don't because it was uh, the way they did that. I couldn't believe that they showed uh, Maria Tania. That was her name, Tania. Okay. So uh, the way they showed that of him dropping her off at a terminally ill kids hospital mm-hmm. like that was a punch in the gut for me watching that like i couldn't believe that he was said he said like you're stronger than i'll ever know to be and he dropped her off and mm-hmm. you're like man i can't believe a cartoon in 96 would would go there you would think that he would just drop her off back at her parents house right. and everything would be hunky-dory and that would be best kind but no they went there and they 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 basically made everyone – they implied it to anyone that could understand. Like a nine-year-old Travis didn't understand that. Mm-hmm. But a Travis rewatching it understood that, that that girl was dying, and that was her last wish. That was her wish. That was the wish that she had was to see Spider-Man. Yeah. And it, that's just – it's blown away. Blown me away. And I just, I just wanted to mention that because I thought that was pretty impressive for a show like this to do. Oh, yeah. You know, of those two episodes, that little two-part right there, I liked how when Kingpin finally gets Spider-Man down and just before he – like, it's always just before he unmasked him, something happens. Like, you know, like you can get it all the way up to his nose. Like, everybody – and they, they always draw everything back so – because, like, this is, like, the third or fourth time. This may be the second time Kingpin's had the opportunity to unmask him, isn't it? No, way. Yeah. It was so, Dr. Octopus season one, right? Yeah, well, he, he almost got unmasked in the – Venom Returns and Carnage by J. Jonah Jameson and War Machine points a gun at him and it's like, no That's way. Right, yeah. That's right. And so, like, that happened twice, at least twice in this season that we know about. So, yeah. like you said, that it's always like that, just up over his nose, just up to his nose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just, just great. Just, <laughs> just an old trope that it's just, just timeless to, in my opinion. Makes you laugh. Every time. Yep. Makes you yeah. laugh. Yeah, man, yeah, I love this series, dude. Uh, I, I'm about to go hop on season four. I'll probably start on that pretty soon because you're trying to get season four done, what, a few weeks? Probably yeah, trying to knock off season four and five before June hits. So okay. I think we're going to get that done. I think um, we can do it. That was more of, it's been more of me uh, pushing it off for the reason that we didn't just hammer them out. Because yep. you have been pretty open, and I, uh, especially the first <laughs> season that we did together, I. <laughs> I can't, I'm pretty ashamed of how long it took me to get that published. Uh, yeah. We made jokes. We made jokes about that on the second season, so I won't. I won't go back <laughs> and beat a dead horse or criticize myself anymore. But I just want to thank you again, Greg, for for joining me. I couldn't think of anybody else to do this with. Uh, we have a great time, and I like to think that we pretty much have a lot of similar tastes when it comes to the show about what we think is good and what we think is okay. And I don't think we hate a whole lot from it. So we yeah. can criticize that at. at we can criticize it, but it comes from a place of love. We laugh at our our criticisms because we're just looking at them now as as adults, as right. like not as kids we were when we first watched this. So uh, it's just fun, and I can still watch it. I've watched it a few times this weekend, and it's it's it just gives me the nostalgia feels, and just makes me feel good inside to watch it. And mm-hmm. I, uh, thanks again for joining me, man, and tell the listeners where they can find you. Oh, dude, you can find me uh, at the Bat Daddy 52 on Twitter. It's about the only way to get a hold of me, but you can also find me at the Super Civil Servants Podcast on Friday nights where T-Bone here podcasts with me, one of my co-hosts. 
And we uh, talk about this kind of stuff and everything else, news, books, uh, movies, television shows, anything that's going on in this uh, world we have created for ourselves of fantasy and geekdom. Uh, and then you can also find me on Tuesday nights, live, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube on the C3 Panthers podcast, where we talk about the Carolina Panthers and how we're tanking next season. I mean, next season. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but we did just sign Christian McCaffrey today, which is pretty amazing, and I'm happy about that. It's first good news coming out. But uh, if you want to hear sports, fans, y'all need to talk T-Bone here into uh, putting out that first 30 minutes that we before we started the show of sports talk. So, Or just get us in a lively Michael Jordan and LeBron James debate on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, dang. At both of us and, you know, start that debate and just ring the bell and watch what happens. We, we we really get into it, Greg, and uh, thanks <laughs> it's again. All, it's all in love, though, man. I I, I really love I I watch you regularly on C3 Panthers podcast. I'm not even a Panthers fan, but I I, I enjoy it. Especially the last few weeks have been quite funny uh, to me because just I can tell the Panthers mean probably the most to you of any of your sports teams, really. Yeah. Uh, and I I cheer for Toronto Maple Leafs in hockey, and I'll just let you know that from. Uh, 05 to 2017, I went and I only saw the playoffs once. Mm. So it can be a long and dark time, my friend, when you're oh, not yeah. making the postseason. Uh, you just got, can't throw it away. You can't throw away your fandom. You got to hold out strong. Uh, there were so many times. Uh, there's so many famous pictures of trial me police fans wearing plastic bags over their heads. Mm. Or paper bags, sorry. Not plastic bags. <laughs> paper bags over their heads. Because uh, it's been shameful at times, but we changed our regime, and it's been we drafted well, and instead of giving away our picks and making stupid trades, and everything is so good now, and I have faith that that it will be that way for you, and you will get that get that Super Bowl that you want to cheer want to see. I know you will one day. Oh, and much. like I said, we love talking sports. We love talking pretty much anything. And check out Super Civil Service Podcast. Me, Greg, Nathan, Katie, and Chris. Uh, I always have great, great times. We have great guests. Sarah has been on a few times, and she is a natural, in my opinion, in the podcasting game. Yeah. Uh, Sarah so, and Brent are coming on this weekend. We're having a big yeah, blowout show. So. I will try not to talk to Brent about the uh, <laughs> Spider-Man thing. We had a big debate here today. Yeah. Uh, quite funny. Uh, I love how we can have those lively debates, but still be cool and friendly and not let it spill over into anger. Uh, like some people I noticed on Twitter can get that way pretty quickly into insults. Every if once you, in a while, yeah. If you contradict each other or you <laughs> disagree with somebody, sometimes some people can't take that, even though like you can have difference of opinion. It, it It's the way it is. Uh, but yeah, thanks, thanks again for joining me, Greg. And you can you can find me, listeners, at on Twitter at Travis underscore 156. You can drop me a line, and we can chat about pretty much anything. Uh, I'll have this up pretty quickly and hit Greg up on all his podcasting and YouTubing platforms. Uh, he's a great guy, and he also has great insight on pretty much anything he talks about. So, yeah, Greg, thanks, thanks for having me, and till next time, people. Till next time, man. Thanks for having me, buddy. <laughs>